So there's a lot of college students who you may not know this, and so I will uh, begin by saying that on July 19th, uh, I announced that I would be stepping down as lead pastor from Alberta Baptist Church, and that I would lead through December 31st. And um, I want you to know that my full intention uh, was to lead you through December 31st uh, of this year. But after having a meeting with some of our uh, church leaders and hearing about and understanding some of the feelings that exist and that are here in our church body, just in the difficulty of being under me, as I've already set an end date, uh, and with the financial situation that our church is in, and my salary being a larger part of that, I want to announce that today will be my final day as lead pastor of Alberta Baptist Church. Today will be the final sermon that I preach uh, as your pastor. I want you to know that my desire to lead you, even some of you in conversations that we had last week, my, my desire to lead you during that time has not changed, but the circumstances have. And I believe that it's time to step away. Please know that I love you, and I mean that, and I'm for you. I ask God to give me wisdom on how in the world to preach, how in the world to communicate uh, to you knowing that I would stand up here and preach and that would be the ending time for my ministry that's nearly 14 years. And God gave me a passage and I'm thankful for that. It didn't come until I was on a jog yesterday, but it came nonetheless and it's one that I believe will be clear to you and I hope it is clear to you my heart. I hope that it is also clear to you the tone that I want to leave in. It's Philippians chapter 4. And so if you have your Bible, please turn there with me. Philippians 4. We're going to be looking at the first nine verses of that text. And I just want to begin just by expressing this is the Apostle Paul. And he is communicating to the church at Philippi his heart and his love for them. And I want you to hear in the words that he says, I want you to hear the tone that he says them in. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, my brothers, and if you know me at all, and I hope by this time you have, you have gotten to know me, you know what I want to say right now. Brothers and sisters. Okay, there's brothers and sisters in that church, and that's who he was speaking to. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I want to read with this text today some of also Eugene Peterson's uh, translation from the message. I think he does a, a great job here in this text, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, My dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. You filled me with such pride. 
Do not waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. What Paul is communicating to this church is that he loves them. And he says that he longs for them. And I mean, I'm, I'm here before you. My, my prayer, and I need you to understand this, my prayer is that I will not only stay connected with so many of you that have meant so much to my life and my faith, but that there'll be a level of longing there. And, and I, I believe that will be true. But I want you to know that as Paul says he loves this church, I want you to know I love you. I love you that are here and I love you that aren't able to be in this room today that will watch this. Paul says to them that they are his joy and they're a crown. You know, that's kind of interesting language. He actually says it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as well. He says in verse 19, he says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord at his coming? And he says, is it not you? Is it not you, his church? For you are our glory and joy. And he calls them to stand firm. He calls them to stand firm. He's talking about standing, walking in the way of Christ. Walking in the way of the gospel. Walking in the truth of what is right and good in Christ Jesus. He says to stand firm in the Lord. And then he reminds them who they are. He calls them beloved. And he seems to be referring to the way he feels and saying, my beloved. But I want you to know that Paul's feelings for this church goes deeper than just Paul's feelings. That's who we are in Christ. That's the way God sees his people. That's the way he views his church. He views his church as beloved. He views me as beloved. He views you as beloved. Paul walking in that loves the church. But he tells them to stand firm. And I, I just want to give, I want to walk in line with what Paul is communicating here in Philippians 4. But I want to speak it over you today. Is standing firm in the Lord. He gives really three encouragements to what it looks like to stand firm. And, and I want you to see the first one is he's going to speak over a conflict that's in the church. And the first thing is I, I want to say we, we have to stand firm in the midst of conflict. 2020 has brought conflict to the whole world. And, and look, there is conflict. There is, there is all kinds of things going on in terms of having, you know, Keith Pugh last day was December 31st, and then now today will be my last day and all that is connected into uh, that conversation, all that will move on from here as the pastor search process begins and budget planning begins. Budget planning will be tomorrow evening. Uh, there's all kinds of discussions and potential conflicts and uh, conversations that will be had. And it is so important to see an example here in God's Word where when Paul says to stand firm, he immediately is going to discuss a conflict within that church. And it's between two women. One, her name is Yudia, 
and the other is Sindiki. I listened to it numerous times to know how someone other than me said that name, but Sindiki, uh, you got these two women who had walked side by side in gospel ministry for more than likely the existence of the church at Philippi, but we know had much influence and impact in this church body, and I don't know what they weren't agreeing on. I don't know what the conflict was. I don't know where the need for reconciliation existed in this relationship, but Paul goes right from standing firm in their faith in the Lord, his beloved, to, hey, there's conflict that needs reconciliation. He speaks right to it. Because what Paul believed was this, is what's true, is that a small division will impact the whole. It's not sometimes, it's always. A small division will impact the whole. And there may have been, that may have been the only division in the church at Philippi. It's hard to know, but I know it was one that got actually addressed in this letter. Paul goes so far in the letter to even empower, encourage, it looks like, probably a particular person. The ESV decides not to give a name that could be translated here. It just says true companion. But he actually calls on one, a trusted uh, person in the church to be about the reconciliation. Let's see if I can find it there. Yeah. Right there, he says that, he said, Yes, I also ask you, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together, and with Clement and with the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. He's saying, Work, work beside those who, are, who the Lord loves and who I love. Like, let's, let's not have this swept under the rug, let's have honesty. Come out here. Let's directly have a conversation about this and reconciliation occur. And what he's saying is, is it was difficult evidently for these uh, two women who probably had been really close at one time to come back together. And it was going to take another person to come in and have that conversation and speak it over him. But he said to stand firm is going to be to be reconciled. We are by nature in Christ, ministers of reconciliation. We're called to be a reconciling presence in the spheres that we walk in, when we see the need, when conflict arises. And I want you to hear that reconciliation in Philippi and reconciliation here, it it comes not by acting like things are just okay. It doesn't come by sweeping things under the rug. It comes by righting wrongs. It comes by changing behavior. And it comes by walking in forgiveness and love. For them to stand firm, it was going to be to walk in that spirit. Paul talks about it specifically here, but he actually spoke on it in a very general sense and one that I know has changed my life and given a a, a memorized verse that I take with me everywhere I go. But he discussed this in Philippians 2. And so I'll remind you of these words. It's Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Remember, the Bible never calls us to uniformity. The Bible calls us to unity in Christ Jesus. 
And here he calls us to unity in Christ. And he gives this attitude that we're to have. It's the attitude of Jesus. And listen, he says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is the very attitude that is being called upon for these two ladies to have in the church. And that's the attitude that the one that was going to come and help with the reconciliation process, it was, he was going to come not with a slap on the wrist. He was going to come in love and in humility to say, this is not who we are in Christ. Paul begins this by, by saying, hey, to stand firm, man, stand firm, even in conflict. There'll always be conflict. But in Christ, there ought to be reconciliation. Second point. To stand firm in the joy and the peace of Christ. And you know these are some of the most loved verses in all of Scripture. And, and, and so I want to acknowledge that as I read them. I think they flow from this discussion of conflict. So like in this discussion, he goes right from that to these beloved words. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Have joy always. And again, I say have joy. Can anybody in the house say it's difficult to have joy sometimes? Okay, can we, can we have that? Okay. Can anybody in the house say that like we've had joy before and we felt like it was ripped away? Can we, can we, can we connect there? Okay. It's not always easy to have joy. In fact, it's a very fruit that comes from the Spirit of God Himself. And so what happens, even in the midst of conflict that's taking place in the church, in the midst of any circumstances, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It doesn't mean act like things are okay. It doesn't mean act like there's never hard times. It doesn't mean act like your circumstances doesn't exist. No, it just means there actually is still joy in the Lord. He goes on to say this. And this is such an important word. If we're talking about standing firm, listen, it's so important. Let your reasonableness be seen, be witnessed by everyone. Anytime that there's conflict, anytime that there's a difficult difficulty with circumstances, it is so important to stand firm in the Lord and let your reasonableness be seen. The love of God overflow. The love for one another to be real and to take place. He says, the Lord is at hand. I think that can mean a couple of different things, and and it could mean both. They're both easily argued to be biblical. But the Lord is at hand can certainly mean the Lord's here. And I think we certainly claim that. We, we believe that and we know that from God's word. That, that let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord's here. The Lord's with us. The Lord's near. But I think it's very possible that it also means in Paul's discussion, since in chapter 3 he talked about that one day Jesus is coming. That our citizenship is in heaven and we await our Savior 
It could very much mean that the Lord is at hand means that he's coming back. Both of those things are true according to Scripture. And what he's saying is, is in the moment, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone and seen by everyone because the Lord's coming back or the Lord's here. This impacts the way that we view everything. He says, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Y'all doing good on that? How's everybody handling that one? You know, I, I want to be really clear. I always want to be clear with this. This is never Paul. And it is never the Lord bringing shame upon your life for your anxiety. In fact, you can go ahead and write off. If you remember anything that Colby Mache ever says, you can believe God never brings shame. He doesn't bring shame. The only shame that ever came from the Lord was when he shamed Satan on the cross. He never shames any of you. He will never shame me. He has actually removed my shame. He doesn't give his word here to shame you if you're worried today or if you're ridden with anxiety today. This isn't here so that you feel guilty about yourself and your brain at this moment. It is here because he's saying God is with you. You can, as Peter says, cast all of your anxieties upon him. For he cares for you. That's the way the Lord speaks over us. We're his beloved. He says, with that being said, listen, don't be anxious in this prayer Don't be anxious in my presence. Know that you can bring all of your anxieties to me. You don't have to leave them at the door. You bring them right to the Lord. He knows you. He sees you. He hears you. And he loves you. He says that in everything, by prayer and supplication and with even thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. You can go to him with anything. Go to him with anything and everything. Believing that you're his beloved. I think it's so important not only that we pray alone, but that we pray in community. Sometimes the way that the Lord comforts an anxious heart is with the prayer of another person. It's within the body of Christ, within community. I also want to connect back to the joy. It's also very possible. Like the, the, the community of Christ can be a place that brings absolute joy. It's also possible that people can steal joy. That's not who we are in Christ. It's in this context that verse 7 comes. And it's one of the sweetest verses in the Bible. It says, In the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I I want you to know, this is just personal testimony right now, that the last really few months, but especially the last couple months, I mean, they, they have truly been the most difficult ones I can remember in my whole life. But I want you to know that I legitimately feel the peace of God. I feel the peace of God for a career change. 
I feel the peace of God for moving into a new season. And I feel the peace of God for my life thus far. I feel the peace of God for the relationships that God has given me the ability to create over these years. I feel the peace of God for the difference I know He's used me and my family to make in this city. I believe. And I trust Him. I trust Him. I have His peace. And I'm praying His peace over you. There's a third thing. I believe He also calls us and He leads them, He encourages them to stand firm in what is true in Christ. It's what is true in Christ. Look there at Verse 8, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Think about these things. Stand firm in these things. Fill your minds with the ways of Christ Jesus and the love of Christ. What is true about Him? What is honorable in His kingdom and in His ways? And then Paul makes this shift, and I want to make it too. He, he goes from that to say, also stand firm in any and everything that you have learned and seen from my life. As Paul says it here, I'll, I'll read it. He says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. He says, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. And I want to say to you, I believe I can say this from this stage. That I was a man that gave you a reason to follow me. And it was a worthy thing to follow my leadership. I followed the Lord. And I sought to do it to the very end. Anything that you've seen, anything that you've learned from me, as I have followed Christ and am seeking to follow him even in this new season, I say, come alongside, stand firm in that too. Know that to every, in every way that I have known how, it doesn't mean I feel like I've done it perfectly. I don't think that at all. But I've truly given you what I believe was my best. And I want you to know that I love you. My desire is to be able to talk to as many of you as I can. And I'm going to stay here and you know, be down at the front for a little bit. And then in the, in the lobby, I'd love to, to see and talk to anyone. And also just want to say to you, I, I, I want you 
to know that you can call me. I want you to know that I am, I'm here for you in any way that I can be. And I want to be an encouragement to you. And so call me. I'd love to eat lunch, have conversations um, in any way. And, and, and I want you to know, before you ask, the, the, the church this week, um, there'll you know, be uh, meetings and, and leadership will get together and all those kind of things. And there'll be a discussion about what it looks like, you know, really moving forward and also what it looks like in caring for my family during this time. And so that, that will be a conversation that will take place. And I don't have all those answers right now. But, uh, but I do want you to know that I love you, and uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Kyle and Jared are actually going to come up here. We, we believe something, and I, I believe it will continue to be believed, and, and that's, that's this, is that it's important for the church to send out people. And in every way possible, I, I want to be sent out this isn't the timing I was expecting to be sent out, but nonetheless, it is a time to be sent out. And uh, Kyle and Jared are, are going to pray uh, over me and over my family. And um, I just want you to know I'm thankful for these guys. I'm thankful for Jennifer and Cindy. I'm thankful for Noah. I'm thankful for Tammy. I'm thankful for uh, Gloria. And I'm thankful for all of our staff, everybody. Uh, I am thankful it's a privilege to lead and to serve them for Paul. It's, it's been an absolute privilege and an honor to serve them. They're not just church friends. They're not just uh, you know, fellow employees. They're not this. They're, they're, they're family to me. And I'm so thankful to have served with you guys for these years. And thank you for praying over me.